Exceeding Expectations, episode 35. Welcome to the podcast where we try to give you ideas of how you're able to give your customers a great experience, which will then hopefully lead to you getting better testimonials and more referrals, which will mean, hopefully, you won't be spending so much money on marketing and advertising. If you do like this show, leave a review for us on iTunes or Stitcher um, and maybe join the Facebook group, uh, start a conversation, ask some questions on there. This week's guest is Jessica Schwartz. She's based in New York and she's a book writer and, uh, well, full-time writer and she's a book coach. And she's written books with titles such as You Are Not Alone, uh, Write, Get Paid, Repeat, And she's had an interesting story. She's been a full-time writer, editor and book coach for a while now. And she started her business while still being employed full-time in in corporate America and and made enough money to quit her full-time job after just three months of uh, going, you know, starting to do these part-time things. And since then, she's grown her business and she now makes more money annually than when she was employed. And she's loving what she she does. And she gives lots of tips on how if you are a writer, if you do blog posts, if you're thinking about writing books, she gives quite a few suggestions on all those different areas. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Remember, if you do have ideas for people that you'd like to hear interviewed on the show, then do you can send me a mail at tony at exceedingexpectations.me.me and just let me know who it is you'd like to hear interviewed on the show. And recently we've had transcriptions for all of the episodes from 1 to 27 will be on the website in the next few days. And then the remaining episodes, the transcriptions for those will also be available within the, the next few weeks. Hope you enjoy this week's show. Exceeding expectations and my guest today, Jessica Schwartz. How are you, Jessica? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Tony. And Jessica, you're down in uh, New York in the Big Apple. How is how is life there today? Um, it is cold and rainy today, but it actually hit up into the 60s over the weekend at Fahrenheit and was just absolutely gorgeous. So it's finally starting to feel like spring a little bit. But funnily enough, we've had recent weather like that here as well. So it's, um, yeah, hopefully, well, summer's on its way. <laughs> it is uh, it is April after oh, all. Thank so. God, summer's my favorite. So Jessica, you're, you know, you're in New York, you're a full-time writer, and you were telling me before how you were sort of working within corporate America and you and you managed to transition into being a freelancer. So tell, tell us a little bit more Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people have that dream of working for themselves and being their own boss. And to be honest, that was never really my dream. Um, I spent 10 years in corporate America. I graduated college uh, when I was 20 and I spent 10 years in sales and corporate business development. So I was a business development director of a a recruiting firm here in New York. And I was really good at it. And it was something that I'd been doing for 10 years. And I, I was good at it, but I wasn't fulfilled by it, if that makes sense. And 
Um, I turned 30 and I realized I was 10 years into a career that while it was lucrative and I was good at it and it was something that I'd been doing for a long time that, um, you know, I really wanted to reach for my dreams and I'd always wanted to be a writer. Um, I did writing competitions when I was young. I have been blogging since I think probably 2002, you know, when the internet really became a place to blog on like MySpace and LiveJournal. Um, and eventually I had a blog spot one for about seven years. Um, and then I turned 30, I realized I really wanted to see if I could make it happen. And I basically, mm. I used my sales skills and I basically woke up one morning and I was just going to say, let's see if I can find clients. Let's see if this is even a possibility. So for $0. And I'm very adamant that you can start a service-based business for no money. Um, so for $0, I went out and found clients. I used Instagram and Reddit and LinkedIn. And I went out and did direct um, messaging and, and direct uh, cold messaging to people, uh, personalizing it with their uh, information and their websites and how I could possibly assist them. And within a week I had four clients and immediately it just took off. I started working nights and weekends and I started, uh, taking on clients and talking to them in the evenings and on the weekends and working as much as I could. Um, and after a few weeks, I realized that it might be a viable that it might be a viable product. I might be able to be a writer and have clients. Um, so I kind of sat down mm. and I did the math and I realized that, you know, maybe once I get to a point where I'm making half or three quarters of my salary, I could quit my job and try to do it full time. And I very conservatively said, okay, well, mm. I'm going to shoot for a year, a year from now I want to quit my job. Um, but then about 90 days mm. later, I was making more than three quarters uh, of my monthly salary and I quit my job so that I could do this full time. And now it's been more than two years. Wow. And it sounds like you really enjoy it. I love it. Um, the diversity is insane. I get to, because I didn't pick a niche, um, I chose to be a generalist writer. So I do general blogging, articles on anything you can think of. I've worked with clients, robotics companies out of Singapore, uh, web development companies, cryptocurrency, cannabis companies out of California. Um, I've worked with... Uh, relatively successful, very like, you know, six and seven figure business people that need the assistance, everything from blogging, writing articles, copywriting for their website. I get to do really cool stuff like uh, develop Kickstarter campaigns and write the copy for that for companies. Um, I do a lot of book editing. So people who have written a book and they need to get it professionally edited, either before they're sending it out to traditional publishers or before they self-publish it and they need that help. So I get to read books before they even come out, which is just the coolest thing. And it's, well, are, you, are you a book reader? Do you read a lot? Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I'm a big reader. I absolutely love reading. It's something uh, I read every day easily. Um, and it's just something that I absolutely love. And so when you do your book editing, is that um, usually like a particular subject or do you, are you doing editing on all different types of books, business and, um, you know, just novels and whatever as well? So I have edited books in the fiction, young adult fiction, um, general fiction, but most of what I edit is nonfiction. So some, a lot of the time it's considered creative nonfiction because it's like business, self-help, um, something where people are sharing expertise and trying to teach their readers something. So um, I've edited things like memoirs and biographies, and then also things like 
um, financial textbooks or a creative nonfiction example would be um, I've edited several books where it's a collection of entrepreneurs writing their stories and how they got to where they are um, and things like mm. that. So it's it's something I really enjoy. I love reading. I love helping authors really polish their work and um, give them advice on how to make something better or restructure it or change it in a way that makes more sense to readers. Before we started recording, you, you were telling me about how you recently had a book where, which you had self-published, which is now being published by a, by what, by a major publisher. Yeah, it's, um, you definitely, it does happen where a self-published author uh, gets picked up by a traditional publisher. It does happen, um, but it doesn't feel like it happens very often. So it's really, really exciting for me. Um, I self-published my first book. It's called Write, Get Paid, Repeat. And it's um, a lot of business information about how to treat your freelance, um, your freelancing career as a business. Like, treating it like an entrepreneur, pricing yourself like a business owner, not just um, not just thinking of it as a side hustle or a gig, but really treating it like a business. Um, and I published, I self-published that in 2017. And then in 2018, I self-published a book called You Are Not Alone. And it's a collection of 56 stories from both women and men from around the world of their experiences with sexual assault, abuse, and harassment, and their experiences um, both what happened to them and kind of now. And it's in their own words. Um, and it was really just a passion project. It was a labor of love. I had a platform. I feel that because I have a platform and the capability to put together that kind of book and self-publish it and take it seriously and treat it very professionally, I feel that I have somewhat of an obligation to try to use that platform for good. And so it's really important to me to mm -hmm. talk about difficult subjects and talk about things that some people might find taboo or hard to talk about, because I think the more we talk about it, the less difficult it becomes. And so it was something that I really felt mm -hmm. strongly about. And after putting that together, I ended up um, working with Sunbury Press. It's a traditional publisher based here in the United States. Um, and they actually offered to republish, to re-release my You Are Not Alone book as a trade published book. And they actually want me to write a second one um, because they really believe in it and they believe mm -hmm. it's helping people and helping people both through writing their stories and going through that catharsis and writing, but also um, for the readers. It's been a really powerful experience. People that read it come back to me and talk about how knowing that they that somebody else has gone through something similar and seeing that they've survived and thrived and that there's hope and power in that um, just has been an incredible experience. And how different was the experience from doing it, uh, you know, self-publishing it to having a, a major publisher? Oh, it's a totally different experience. Um, self-publishing is amazing because you get to have complete control. Um, I designed the cover. I worked with an interior formatter to get it exactly the way I wanted it. I edited the book followed by my own editors, uh, who I trust and love and know that they understand my voice. Um, mm. so Working with a trade publisher, you really give up a lot of that control. Um, they have their own editors and they have their own staff and the way that they market and promote books is exactly the way that works for them. Um, so it's a little scary giving up your publishing rights and giving up your control. Um, but I'm very lucky because Sunbury has been amazing. They really gave me a lot of leeway. Um, they really allowed me to have a lot of control and they let me keep my same cover. Um, they took my criti criticisms and my thoughts very seriously. 
Mm. And I guess also because you mentioned that you're a book coach, so that whole experience has really helped you on that side of things as well. Oh, absolutely. Book coaching is something I'd never even heard of when I started my business. And then once I learned what it was, I just immediately incorporated it into my business. Book coaching, what it is really, is helping people um, create their books. So it's people who either have a book idea and don't know how to get started writing a book, or it's people who's got started and aren't sure what to do next, or maybe they don't understand the self-publishing process and they need help just to be guided through it. Um, But it's really like just giving them advice and teaching them how to write a book from start to finish. Um, And it is so amazing. It's such a fun process to go through the realization of a dream. A lot of people, that's their dream. They want to be a published author. I read a statistic in the New York Times that said 82% of American adults want to write a book someday. And most of them don't. So if I can help them and and figure out a way to allow them to realize that dream, because I know personally how satisfying it is. And um, what would you say people struggle with the most when it comes to writing a book? Um, most people seem to struggle the most with uh, organizing a book. So a lot of people, when they want to write a book and they get a great idea, they just sit down and start writing. And all of a sudden they have 2000 words and they're feeling really good, but then they get stuck and they're just not sure what to do next. Um, mm. And that's really something that I see in almost every author I've worked with. So really getting into it, getting started, finding a rhythm, getting your book mapped out is is the biggest challenge for a lot of people. And I feel extremely strongly that you should outline your book. Uh, Whether you've already started writing or if you're just thinking about writing a book, create an outline. Uh, My outlines are super simple. They're just a bullet pointed list of all the major topics I want to hit in the book. But your outline, your list, your bullet points, um, it creates a snapshot of your book. So you can move things around, decide what order you want to talk about everything in. You can really use it basically as a first draft of your book because you outline and map out what the book is going to contain, um, which then allows you as you're writing, it allows you to know what the beginning, middle and end are is and where you're going with each topic um, and allows you to have that structure in place. So it makes the entire writing process much easier and faster. I, I imagine people must also really struggle with like what, what style to, to, to take in writing the book. Um, actually, I think maybe less than you think. I think a lot of people question whether they should write in first, second or third person or what kind of perspective. But most of the time, if you're writing a book, especially if you're a subject matter expert, for example, if you were to be writing a book about CEOs, if you were to be writing about podcasting and like the process of it and how to become a successful podcaster, you wouldn't have to think Mm -hmm. too hard about the style because who you are naturally is already an expert. So writing in a way that makes you comfortable and writing in your personal tone is really going to get the message across in the best way. So usually people want to write in how they feel most comfortable. Um, and sometimes sometimes people try to be really technical or academic. Sometimes people try to be too flowery and the point doesn't come across. Um, but that's something that can be addressed in editing. It's really more about... Um, writing it in a way that makes sense to the reader because you're the expert. It always is going to make sense to you. It's about breaking that down and breaking it into manageable steps for the reader to understand. Mm. 
So since you've done the uh, the transition from corporate America into to full time, how has it been plain sailing? Has it been ups and downs? How, how has it gone? Uh, definitely not plain sailing. There there are absolutely ups and downs. Just like any um, kind of service based business, there is a lot of it's very cyclical. So there are months that I'm just doing extremely well. Maybe I hit five figures in one month and that's amazing. Um, and then there are months like last month actually was a, was a down month for me. I had some medical stuff that I was taking care of. I wasn't able to work as much. And because, you know, you only get paid for what you do. Um, I had a lower month than average. And I, of course that's frustrating, but all you can do is continue to, you have to always be marketing yourself. Um, you will constantly want to be building a pipeline um, so that even if it's not the easiest right now, you're working to make sure that you have that pipeline and those clients for future. Um, and I think pricing is a big part of that as well. Uh, you know, I, I personally know quite a few freelancers who started on um, content mills, places like Upwork or Fiverr, um, which personally I'm not a big fan of. I think Upwork really does, even though there have been people who have found success on Upwork and, and make decent money, the the majority of Upwork really seems to reinforce this idea of quantity over quality and really tries to force everyone to go for the lowest bidder. Like they're, they're constantly trying to get you to be paid one or two cents a word, which is basically slave wages. You're not going to, you know, if you're getting paid one cent a word, that's $10 for a thousand word article, which maybe took you two or three hours to research, write and post, which means that you're getting paid like $3 an hour. Do you find that the, I'm presuming you're still blogging regularly, does that bring in work as well? Oh, absolutely. So I do feel very passionately that you should never work for free, um, but I don't feel mm. that blogging fits that parameter. Um, for me, blogging is a way for me to give out free, useful, valuable content. It's a way for me to work through my emotions. It's a way for me to work uh, through anything that's in my head. Writing is both a catharsis and a release for me. Um, so my blog is actually mostly geared towards business related content. I talk a lot about how to start a business, how to start a business for free, how to price yourself, um, how to identify bad clients, make sure you have a contract, things like that, um, aimed at, at small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, and it gives me a lot of valuable exposure. It really does. I have, I have a blog on medium. I have, I think somewhere around 3,400 followers right now. Um, which allows me to extend my reach and my exposure and people find me, they find me through there. They find my website. They look me up. Um, I get people who will just message me out of nowhere through my website and just say, Hey, I thank you so much for providing a copy of your contract that really helped me. Um, so I get a lot of joy out of helping people. I think when I started as a writer, it felt like there was so much information online um, and a lot of it contradicted each other. So it it's a little frustrating when you're first starting out to just, you're not sure what direction to go. A lot of places say you should pick a niche. A lot of places say you shouldn't, you know, some places say you should start out and work for free so that you can build a portfolio. Other places don't. So it's, I just wanted to have somewhere where I was giving people a lot of practical, useful information along with examples of how and why it worked for me. A lot of people want to blog on a more frequent basis, but they struggle for, for various reasons. Maybe they, you know, they just, they can't decide what to write or what advice would you give people who want to blog more and maybe why they should blog more? 
Oh, absolutely. So I think blogging is great. If you like blogging and it gives you the satisfaction and the exposure that you need, you absolutely should. Um, I've been blogging since the live journal days and then Blogspot and then WordPress and now Medium. So I feel like I've really run the gamut of the different tools and resources available. Um, one way is to set a schedule. So I try to have a new post up every Monday or Tuesday, no matter what. So even if I'm on vacation, even if I'm on, um, you know, at a weekend at my brother's house or hanging out with my nieces and nephews, I try to have at least one well-researched, well-written article per week for my blog. Um, one thing that a lot of people have issues with is just finding inspiration, you know, finding content. And if you're a business, there's a lot of reasons for you to have a, a blog. For example, um, let's say you are a web development company and you're a smaller business and you're trying to build a reputation, um, having a blog and having regularly produced content, original content on your website, it encourages site visitors to stay on your site for longer. It gives valuable information for free, which builds trust and expertise. It encourages site visitors to come back more often. It can also help you build your email list if you have people subscribed to it. And then on top of that, it actually organically raises you in the Google search rankings because producing content regularly, um, that Google is looking for that. So you will be raised, uh, your SEO rankings will go up in Google. And so you really want to come up with ideas. If you're a business, you really want to talk about news that relates to your business. You want to talk about your business offerings and why they're beneficial and what you do, your process, introduce your team. You can really talk about anything. And then on a personal side, I blog because I love it and because it helps my business. And sometimes you run out of stuff to write about. It's Sometimes you just aren't sure what to write about. And so the best thing to do is to be inspired by the things around you. Go on to Instagram, go on to Twitter, go on to Quora, see what people are talking about, read the news, see what people are talking about in the world. Um, I love Quora because people ask questions. Um, it's a free platform where people ask questions and then other, you're basically crowdsourcing answers. Um, and that's a great place to find inspiration because there's so many people asking questions on so many different topics that just really gliding through it. You can kind of get ideas of this is what people want to know. I have expertise in this topic. I can help people. And so a lot of times I'll write a Quora answer and then I just feel really good about that information. So I'll turn that and elaborate on it and turn it into a blog post. Hmm. As a, as a coach, as a book coach, how do you, when, it, when people come to you and they have, you know, they, they want you to, to help them with the writing, help them with their whole book process, how do you exceed their expectations? I would say that the best way to exceed expectations, and this is across industries, I feel very strongly that um, managing expectations is one thing, but exceeding expectations is how you succeed. Um, and so I have the best customer service of anyone I know. I have made it an absolute top priority to be somebody that people want to work with, that they find easy to work with. And let me explain what I mean by that. I am not the best writer in the world. I certainly could not claim to be so. Um, I'm a good writer and I love what I do and I'm passionate about it. But I'm not, you know, J.K. Rowling. I'm not Stephen King <laughs> or one of my favorites is David Baldacci. Um, but I'm not, a, I'm not the perfect writer. What I am is a good writer who's very easy to work with. People know what I'm doing. We have standing weekly meetings so that we can discuss projects in progress, tasks they want me to complete that week, where I am in their, in their book if we're doing an editing project. Um, 
I'm very easy to get a hold of. I'm always responsive by text or email. Um, when people want to set up a meeting, I make myself available and be flexible. And when it comes to exceeding expectations, I make sure that when someone brings me on to work with them, I make 100% sure that I am making their life easier. Before as well, we were talking about um, raising prices. So how, does, does that feed into it at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, when you have a low rate, you're not making enough to be sustainable. Even if you're working full-time hours, you're never going to make enough when you are getting paid too little. And that's what frustrates a lot of people. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of freelancers, they end up quitting and going back to a regular nine to five because it's not a sustainable living wage. Whereas you really, in order to be competitive, um, you really want to be at the top of the bell curve or even a little more. Um, for me, I realized almost immediately after starting that my prices were too low because it was difficult to research. Um, it was difficult to find the right, accurate information of what I should have been charging. So the first two or three projects I did, I definitely undercharged. Um, and then I realized immediately, I'm like, I'm getting paid like $5 an hour. This is not okay. Um, so, but here's the thing. If you as an entrepreneur were looking to bring someone on, are you looking for the cheapest person or are you looking for the best person? And that's something that I really focus on is I'm not the cheapest, I'm not the most expensive, but I'm definitely not the cheapest. Because mm -hmm. first of all, I value my work. My work, my work and my time are valuable and important, and they have and my skills are valuable and worth money. Um, mm -hmm. and secondly, it also helps you weed out the bad clients. Something that I really think a lot of people don't focus on so much when they're talking about businesses and building a business is there are some terrible clients out there. There are people who don't want to sign the contract, don't want to give you a deposit. They don't want to pay your rates. They're going to push back for every nickel and dime and try to take advantage of you because they are your client. That is true in mm. every industry. You know, you look at places like clients from hell or choosing beggars on Reddit and you see people who just, they want more than you're willing to give or willing to charge um, or they want things for free. And I feel very strongly that having a fair price helps weed out some of the worst clients. Because if I, if someone comes to me and they say, Hey, can you do this for free? I'm not negotiating. The answer is no. Like, these are my prices. This is what I can do for you. Here's what you're going to get from me, which is valuable and relevant and going to be exactly what you need. Plus more if I can. Um, mm. And so every time I raise my price, if I'm learning new skills, if I am adding a new pillar or uh, service into my business, I am pricing those accordingly because my time is worth money. And every time I take the time to do something with a client, I want them to know that they're getting the best of me. They're getting my full and undivided attention. They're getting exactly what they need. And the thing is, is I don't, I would not give my all to somebody who only wanted to pay me $3 an hour. I, I wouldn't find that worth it. So my heart wouldn't be in it. And I have to feel that on the, on the other side of that, as a business owner, I don't want to work with people who only want to pay $3 an hour. You know, it's hmm. when I'm editing a book, that's many hours and several weeks of my time. And so when people say, oh, I only have $300 for you to edit this book. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not what editing costs. And, you know, the difference between an amateur and a professional book is having an editor. It's a necessary part. And if you didn't budget for that, then you need to wait until you have the money for that. Because it's just, if you're reading a book and you're distracted by typos and errors and it doesn't make sense, then you are going to have a situation where people don't want to read the book. They're going to put it down. They're going to give you bad reviews. So as a, as a coach, as a writer, as an editor, how 
How are you able to surprise people? I mean, have you got any stories of ways <laughs> that you've done things that people just weren't expecting? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have a lot of writers who have come to me and said, listen, I had an editor, I hired them, they took my book, they came back a month later, and I don't know what they changed, but I don't like it. Um, they didn't They didn't explain their process. Um, you know, and unfortunately, I think trusting the wrong people or not knowing their process. And, and, I, and I absolutely think that those editors probably had the best of intentions. You know, they're sitting there and they're saying, well, I made your book better. But the author is sitting there mm-hmm. saying, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I expected. So one way that I exceed expectations and the way that I'm Uh, that I think I surprise people is my editing process is super collaborative. So I actually put every book manuscript that I get, I put it in a Google Doc and I give the client commenting access. So what that means is they can pop into the book at any time to see how far I've gotten, check my progress. I can actually ask questions and ask for more examples or explain that, you know, I'm changing this because of this. Or, you know, this word doesn't make sense here. What do you mean? Could you explain? Or I can say things like this needs more detail. As a reader, they're not going to understand this. And it allows it to be a really interactive, collaborative process, um, which is something that every author I've worked with has really appreciated that they get to be a part of the process. They're not just cut out. You know, when you write a book, that's a lot of time and energy and knowledge and you know, it's it's really a piece of your soul that you're kind of putting out there and you're giving it to an editor to judge and make changes. And it's really terrifying for a lot of people, which I completely understand. I had to do the same thing with my own books. It's absolutely terrifying. But by making it a super collaborative process and allowing people to see the edits as they're being made. Um, You know, an editor is not a dictator. If you feel passionately about something in your book and you don't agree with the editing change, change it back. Um, Any editor worth their salt will be able to take a step back and say, okay, this is something that's important to you. Let's leave it. How have you developed the mentality to to try to exceed people's expectations? Was that something that started in your in your corporate life, or where did that come about? I think so. Yeah, I think being in sales, um, I was I worked directly with clients for many years, and it's not just an order taker. You're you're building a relationship. You're um, when you're asking clients to spend forty thousand dollars a year with your company or, or eighty thousand dollars a year with your company. Um, you know that relationship is really important and. And the extension of that relationship, whether they trust you, whether that your products work, um, whether your services are fulfilling a need, it all works together. And so I think being in sales really put me in that mindset of the client needs to um, get what they need, but get more than they need. They need to feel that I take a specific interest in them, that they're not just a number to me. Um, and so that relationship building was a huge part of the way I structure my business and the way I work with clients now. Um, and in fact, it's actually, it's very interesting to me. So I've gotten the chance to meet quite a few other writers and editors in the, in the community around the U.S. and beyond um, just throughout the last few years of kind of making connections and building relationships with other freelancers. And a lot of them are not good at sales. Um, and I, I learned over time that, you know, people in the more creative side, those that sales and marketing side of business is usually more difficult for them. Not across the board, just in general, um, tends to be something that they either don't enjoy or they have a little bit of a harder time with or they're not sure what to do about it. I get a lot of questions from freelancers about that. 
um, about like, how do I market myself? How do I find clients? Um, so I try to do quite a bit of writing on that to answer questions. And I do get a lot of them that come to me individually to ask for advice and marketing and sales um, questions and advice. And I, I'm more than happy to help. And I just think that because I had so much experience in sales that it became second nature to me, that that's really what allowed me to be successful and profitable so quickly. And so I'm really thankful for that experience. And also, you know, if writing doesn't work out, I, I have a backup career. <laughs> you know, that isn't that time certainly didn't go to waste. So where do you see things going in the future? Have you got ideas for more books? You know, that's so funny because I think about that all the time is like, um, am I still going to be kind of doing this up and down and, you know, freelancing in general, it's not a stable career. It is, it has its ups and downs. It's incredibly isolating sometimes to just be at home by yourself. Um, it can get incredibly lonely um, and difficult, but ultimately I find it very fulfilling. Um, and so I think about that a lot. Uh, I'm currently working on a third book. Uh, I'm working on the next uh, volume two of You Are Not Alone. I've had about 50 people share their stories with me. I'm actually waiting on a few more, and then I'm going to start putting that book together. Um, I just recently started writing a, um, I'm really excited. I've never really written fiction, but I read it all the time. And I love fiction. It's just uh, nonfiction has really become my specialty, but I really love fiction books. And so I have outlined and started writing a fiction novel set in a dystopian future uh, that is on like more the why the young adult side. Um, but then I also have a lot of plans for my business. You know, I just about six months ago, I created a book, a course called uh, How to Write a Book in Three Months. And I just had my first class of book of members go through the class. Mm -hmm. It's a live kind of online based class with weekly calls, but then videos and, and content in between, um, which was incredibly exciting too. So I created this course, How to Write a Book in Three Months, specifically for nonfiction people who want to write a book. Uh, people who want to write a nonfiction book, it walks you through the entire process. And it's really comprehensive. And it went against the grain of everything that course creators told me I should do. Everyone said that I should be doing things like uh, creating a free webinar or creating a free content course first to build up an email list. And I just kind of blew past that and created a three month long commitment course. Um, and it's incredible. And that's something that I really want to build up. I've only gone through it once with, with people. So now I really want to do more of that because it was so successful and so exciting. Um, I have a few clients that I've been with for a long time. I have a couple clients that I've actually had since right after starting. Um, and that just comes back to relationship building and exceeding expectations and making sure that I'm giving them valuable services. And so I hope to continue to do that and extend those relationships. And, um, you know, it's funny because I, I hope new things pop up that I haven't even thought of yet. I hope that as I learn more and grow and my skills get better, I hope that I get to keep learning and keep finding new ways to be passionate about what I do. So if people want to find out more about that course you just mentioned, where, where would they go to? Oh, they can check out my website. Uh, so my website, jessicaschwartz.com. Um, it's funny because I'm the only person in the world with the spelling of my name um, for with both first and last name. So I'm very easy to find online. Um, so my website is jessicaschwartz.com and that has the book course. It has books I've worked on, um, some books that I've edited. Uh, it has information and blogging information, just free information for people if they just have questions. Um, I do get emails through that site. So if anybody has a question, they just want some advice on freelancing, they're more than welcome to reach out. Um, I, 
I am a one man show, so I personally respond to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really all about, I I think being an entrepreneur and being a freelancer, especially, I think that you have to treat it as a business. Mm -hmm. Um, if you think of it as a side hustle or as a side gig, or if you don't have that mindset of growing a business and taking on clients and having contracts in place and, you know, pricing that puts you in a competitive spot, then I don't think it can be successful long term. Jessica, I really appreciate your time and it's been some, some, some great advice and suggestions you've given. So um, thank you for taking your time to be on the show. Thank you so much, Tony. This was awesome. The next episode of Exceeding Expectations is with Naresh Visa. He has a, a digital marketing agency and he um, th- does lots of things in the world of podcasting and, and books and, and many other things. And some, some of the books that he's written include titles such as 50 Shades of Marketing, Whip Your Business Into Shape and Dominate Your Competition, Podcastnomics, The Book of Podcasting to Make You Millions, The New PR, but one uh, intriguing title was Trump Book, which is about how digital liberals silence the nation into making America hate again. And he gives some very interesting perspectives on how he saw the 2016 US election and how it was that Trump was able to win um, by using social media in a different way. So that's next week's episode with Naresh Visa. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Please do leave a review um, on the, the usual channels. Maybe start a conversation on our Facebook group. Hope you have a fantastic week. I look forward to speaking with you next week.